Welcome to another episode of the Intersection Podcast, brought to you by Georgia Tech Scheller College of Business. I'm your host, Annalisa Wade. I'm a first-year full-time MBA student here at Scheller. Today, we're going to talk about DEI initiatives and how to sustain them over time. We have two guests here, Latanya Parker and Cedric Gibson, that are going to shed light on this topic and tell us a little bit more about their backgrounds. Starting with you, Tanya, can you tell me about your background a little bit? Absolutely. Thank you so much. So I have been at Scheller in my role as the inaugural Director of Inclusive Excellence for six months. And before that, I served for seven years at a small liberal arts college in Macon as the first dean for equity and inclusion and eventually chief diversity officer. And I'll talk about why I made that shift a little bit later, because I think the importance of policies and processes is very key and important in DEI work. So before that, don't... I come from a nonprofit background. I worked uh, at a museum, the Tubman Museum in Macon, for four and a half years. And before that, the Girl Scouts for (laughs) 13 years. And that is where I began my DEI work, is working with girls and getting them to build community and to collaborate and work together. Sounds like you have a lot of DEI experience. I can't wait to expand and learn more about that. Thank you. Thank you. And Cedric? Yeah, so Cedric Gibson, I'm currently uh, at Microsoft. I'm a sales director, so I manage a team of account executives and technology strategists. Been at Microsoft almost about nine years. Did my MBA at Georgia Tech that really gave me an opportunity to take an opportunity at Georgia Tech. Prior to that, I was down a very technical route as a project manager working for HP. Did that for three years or so. And my background is huge in the sport, so played football in college played at Furman University. I had a great career there. Prior to that, small town in Somerton, South Carolina that I grew up. So overall, I think, you know, my journey into Microsoft has been a testament of a lot of the hard work and, you know, role models that I've had growing up. So I do take my position and, and what I do at Microsoft very seriously as in terms of setting examples. And yeah, I want to, you know, share a little bit about the things that I, I do at Microsoft and try to create a inclusive and diverse environment uh, for my team and looking forward to the discussion, uh, honestly. Thank you, Cedric. Tanya, starting out with you, can you kind of tell us how you got into the DEI work and maybe what motivates you in that space? Absolutely. Um, As I said, I began the work back with Girl Scouts, but it's really observing how people get along or not and what they're basing their ability or willingness to connect. And so watching um, how students come in, and I say students at the time, they were campers, uh, come into a shared space and what is going to bring them together or going to separate them. And I began to explore visible and invisible diversity. And I think sometimes not only in shared spaces as children and students, but in workplaces as well, visible diversity becomes a huge divider if that's what you're basing it on. If someone is different from me in a different, you know, body, different color, that you may be a person I cannot connect with. So I began to do a lot of team building activities with those campers and with students to bring them together to go beyond the visible diversity. And so that began my interest in, hmm, what does this look like as we get older, as we begin to go to our jobs, even when we're in our families and in shared spaces with other people, how can we get to a place 
place where people can show up as their genuine, authentic selves and not let what they see separate them. So that's really the foundation that got me interested because human relations, I think, is very important in any shared space. And so that became just something I've been doing ever since, no matter what job I have. I'm always wanting people to be able to work together beyond the things that separate us. And can you touch on a little bit more on the invisible diversity for our listeners that might not know what that means? Absolutely. Thank you so much. For, I'm so used to using <laughs> these words. <laughs> okay, so of course, the invisible diversity would be like the diversity of perspective and experience. You have to talk to people and communicate to get beyond those. And then there's neurodiversity, the way people think and the way their brains are wired to think. And of course, it will take a little bit going beyond if someone, like say, is on a spectrum and some you know a different way of thinking and then it's like okay how can I connect or communicate with this person so then there's that self I guess the responsibility you have for yourself to go back and find out more when you know more about a person how can I best connect with this person if they're different from me in this way so that's it going beyond what you can see to connect with people so experiences thought processes things like that that require more communication to get to know each other. I like that. And that's a common thing that happens in the workplace is those things that you don't see and the things that you do see. So looping you in, Cedric, I know Microsoft champions the growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard a lot of that uh, different Microsoft employees. Maybe can you talk about how invisible diversity or just different ways of communicating with diverse team members, how that helps you champion the growth mindset at Microsoft? Yeah, no, it's it's a great question. And I think, you know, one it starts with the culture and having people that really buy into what we're doing. So empowering people, you know, to do their best work, to achieve more. And so we can't do that without having diverse perspective, having the best candidates that are coming through, the best talent. And and so one is, I think it starts with the culture. For me personally, just looking at, you know, the team that we've built, it starts with one, we have customers, so I'm in sales. So one uh, aspect is, the industries in which we're supporting. So bringing people from industries in which they know the customers and they know exactly how to support the very diverse set of customers that we have. And so making sure that we we have that aspect uh, in terms of how we have uh, talent that are coming in, as well as the technology. Obviously, we're a tech company, so there's people with various levels of technology experience. And then looking at what are we doing in terms of fostering the connection amongst each other? So there's a lot of team building activities that we do. And, you know, I think the thing that I've tried to do in terms of my leadership style is really set, set examples and be a, be a model for people that would look at my journey as a pathway for them. So that is mentoring. So I do a lot of mentoring, a lot of sort of outreach to people that are looking to move up in the company. And a lot of that is just making myself available and sort of giving back when I have the opportunity to do that. Thank you. So starting with Tanya, we talked about what DEI means in the workplace, but can you kind of expand on why is it important, especially in the space that we're in now? Why are these initiatives important and relevant to building a team in a corporate environment? Absolutely. When I think about DE&I, you know, just to make sure for clarification, I'm so used to using acronyms, diversity, equity, inclusion. For inclusivity, the foundation for which I think all of it exists is to create spaces and to sustain them that when I come, I can think the way I think. I can have space and the autonomy to 
be me and when I bring to the workspace or any space that I come into that is going to be valued and appreciated and when you say DEI initiatives one that I've uh, been a part of in the past that I was really happy about and saw the fruit of doing it was called culture of care and that acronym C-A-R-E is for culture of community accountability respect and equity. And we started off with that first E, I mean that last E being equality first, and then we changed it to equity. And I had to go from equality to equity because treating everyone the absolute same may not be the most ideal in some circumstances. Treating people fairly is the great foundation in workspaces or anywhere, but to assess the needs of each person and make sure they have what they need to thrive and to be successful in corporate spaces or anywhere is very important. Then you could equitably address their needs so that they can thrive and they have what they need to have in order to be successful. So I believe that initiatives such as paying attention to your employees uh, are making sure that it's what they want and need versus this is what we're doing. When it comes down and just say, hey, we're going to do this new thing. Why are we doing this? Have you heard from the constituents? Have you heard from the employees? Not just because it's the thing to do or everyone else is doing it. Making sure that the needs of the people um, in the workspace are being heard and that's why we're doing something very important and that works for any employee resource group or anything just because we have diverse uh, groups of people there doesn't mean that they necessarily want that make sure it's something that people want and with that Cedric is there a time that you can think of where there was an initiative that was for diverse candidates or diverse employees within your firm or just any company that really resonated with you like you were like wow this is a good initiative yeah so I would say Not so much an initiative, but I think things that we've done at Microsoft. So we have this, we're really big on allyship and having people with, you know, various backgrounds come together and listen and learn about others' lived experiences, right? So I think one of the things we've done on a routine basis monthly is have these various listen-learn acts where whether it's blacks, minorities, whether it's Asians, whether it's Latinos, so women, right? So we have these forums where we have two hours, three hours, where we come together and we have people talk about their lived experiences. So one of the things that really, I think, resonated for me is when I actually had a chance to do that a few years ago and just kind of talking about my journey is, uh, one, coming from a, an environment uh, where I grew up where there's not a lot of examples of people that have gone on to college, much less working at companies like Microsoft. So just kind of talking about that journey as well as, you know, some of the things that I've been able to overcome and, you know, get to the position of where I'm at now. So I think having a platform where I was able to share my raw, authentic kind of experiences and have people follow up afterwards to say, hey, I really didn't know that about you, you know. And so I think not only that, but hearing, you know, hundreds of other people in the company that have had similar but different experiences that were equally as challenging for them. So so the Listen and Learn Act, I think that initiative has been really great. We have, you know, like most companies, resource groups that, you know, we're active and there's various things we're doing in the community. But to me, I think that Listen and Learn Act initiative that we're doing, it's expanding people's perspective, it's creating that allyship, and it's really authentic because you're not, it's not mandatory, right, to attend. So people that are attending are coming with a genuine interest in learning about, you know, again, whatever the the event or the specific focus for that particular Listen and Learn Act. So to me, that's been one of the big ones. 
Yeah, that sounds very powerful. And we talked about Microsoft a bit. Did you want to shed anything? I know you said you've been at Georgia Tech for about six months. Anything, initiatives that you've been excited about or just ways that Georgia Tech champions DEI, like work? Absolutely. I want to say belonging. Belonging at the student level, faculty, staff, you belong here is the thought that I have. And like, what does that mean for me to belong here? I think Scheller and Georgia Tech does a great job when we talk about inclusive excellence, making sure that barriers are removed and that if there's anything that's hindering people, that it's taken down or we, when we're aware of it. And I do believe that is something that's not just said, it's actually done. So the action that comes in DEI versus, you know, the words that, okay, we're, we're just throwing them out there because that's what people are talking about. You can see through that very quickly and clearly. And I would, you know, I would be remiss not to say it's the true work being done here. And so that's what's exciting to me. And I'm looking and talking with the various constituents on how we can make sure that we keep up the excellent work. I'm, I'm connecting with student clubs and organizations now. They're inviting me like, hey, can you come and do like this kind of workshop to help us like, you know, facilitate like dialogue with difficult conversations and understanding of cultures and things like that. Like, Absolutely. So I come in, I listen to them first and then produce something that I think they're wanting and need. And for faculty and staff, also hearing what do they need. I've learned now that post-COVID that there was a lot of, you know, separation because people were gone and working from their, you know, homes or wherever. So coming back, that connecting part has been a challenge. Like, you know, and then, of course, there are hybrid model work schedules. So some people may miss other people. But right now, this is a new and exciting time. People are coming together for events. They're in their social, just like Cedric was saying, bringing them together to connect over life experiences, not just the work, that makes the work stronger. I do believe that. So this is exciting for me just to kind of study the environment in which I'm in and to say, okay, how can we make this better? How can we make this stronger? And that's new and exciting for me right now in my career. And the work that your team is doing is really felt. I can, that really resonated with me when you said belonging. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I picked Scheller is because I wanted to be able to bring my full self without all the politics and the different layers of things to work through. And Georgia Tech definitely provides you that platform and everyone else is kind of on board with. You just come and I'm Annalisa. I'm not all the other things that you see. I'm just me, my other people, my cohort, they're just who they are. And I like that Georgia Tech makes you feel that way. Yes. Cedric, did you want to add about how your experience was here at Scheller? Can you relate to that at all? Yeah. It's been 10 years, but I feel like it's been 20 years. Uh, you know, I think Scheller really changed my life in, in terms of putting me on a trajectory to go to Microsoft. I'll start with that. I have nothing but admiration for, for what I experienced here. And, yeah, I mean, I didn't feel at any time that I wasn't welcome or I didn't feel like, hey, you, you belong here or I was an outlier, an outsider. So, you know, that wasn't an element. I think to me, it was a reflection of, you know, what I experienced in other, like even, you know, again, I have a a, a football background, so I played college football. So very team oriented, a lot of, a lot of my teammates, but, but it was more of like a, you know, the camaraderie that we had here. And I felt like my classmates, we all had that same bond where we're doing casework after hours, the, you know, the coursework, I was looking at some of the, um, I guess the study rooms, the breakout rooms. I remember, you know, 2 a.m., 1 a.m. in the morning working. The teams that I worked on were very diverse, right? So, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think just to close it out, I certainly felt like this was a place where I could do be myself. I was very vocal. In undergrad, I wasn't as vocal in class and like speaking up and those kind of things. Maybe I was just too focused on football back then. But I felt I participated much more in the lectures. Like I was very vocal in class and those kind of things. So anyway, I felt like it kind of created a, a different, more vocal side of me as it relates to kind of be being more public and public speaking and those kind of things. I did a lot of that here. Yeah. So we touched on what it's like to feel a part of the DEI groups and be a part of the initiatives and what that means to you, Cedric, and to you, Tanya. But what if you're someone who wants to be a part of these initiatives and you don't feel like you necessarily resonate with one of the groups, but you want to be an ally? What are ways that someone can help minority voices or diverse voices kind of be heard in spaces that they don't feel like they're necessarily a part of? Yeah, I think it's going back to the listen and learn act that we do again this it's not super formal in that you're actively a part of a an initiative or or a resource group you're just coming to here and so i think that's a an easy entry point and most people are curious about learning different things and just kind of getting to know so if you're coming if you're approaching it from i'm just coming to like learn and and be more educated on certain topics that's a good way. I think we've, and through that process, ironically, is once people have come, they've, you know, they've been enlightened to a situation that they may not have been aware of, and it creates that willingness to, okay, now I want to do more, naturally become an ally, but now they want to take it to the next step. How can I help based on the situation? So I think it starts maybe with just being educated and, and being curious and exploring and then it turns to allyship and then maybe acting on it, being participating in various formal events. But I would say it starts with, you know, just kind of being curious and, you know, getting to know what other people's experiences have been. So kind of like having that curiosity to just show up first and then yep. Yep. Go, take it from there. Well, I, yes, I can ex- I can expand on that, and I really appreciate you opening that door to this conversation. When I think about self and social responsibility, so your curiosity, concern, or something got you there, right, to the place, and then you're like, okay, how can this space be more meaningful and welcoming for me or for someone else? So if you see something, say something. If you're aware of something that's keeping someone else out, including yourself, do you know who to go to? You know, is it the HR director? Director, is it your your professor in your classroom? Like, who are you in the workspace too? Is it your supervisor? Is it HR? You know, back to that. But just knowing to the channel, so the self and social responsibility, really your genuine concern for others to make sure that we all have like the fair chance, the nothing keeping us from achieving whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. And so with that, I just say start with self. If there's like you're in a good place and things are are moving well if you see any barriers for anyone else what will you do something willingness is very important Um, you have to know yourself so it starts with self first and then outside to build community you have to be willing and accepting of other people and I think that that's where it starts so yes showing up for self and others is key in DEI work so just think of like I see the human in you And then when I see the human in you, I'm more apt to do something to make sure your human identifiers are respected and valued so that you can show up as yourself as I do. That's great. So on that topic, 
Are there any platforms or channels you want to share that Georgia Tech and or Scheller has uh, resources to kind of be involved in DEI initiatives and strategies here? Well, one thing that I walked into coming into my role was a DEI council, and uh, that is still in existence right now. I actually recently became the chair, and so I am now going to be reaching back out to the Scheller community to um, expand. I want more students' representation. I want more students from Evening MBA and from... Um, just the different facets, faculty, staff, so that there are voices heard, having representation and voices. So reaching out to me directly would be a good part because I, then I can find out, like, how can I get you connected as I'm continuing to connect with student groups, with faculty and staff in the different communities to which they belong. That's how we do it. I always say iron sharpens iron. You bring who you are. I bring who I am. We challenge each other. We sharpen each other and we make it better for each other. And that's what we do. So reach out to me if I'm not the one maybe I know where to connect you and you may know where to connect me and that's where community forms thank you that was awesome because I wasn't aware <coughs> of the council and the different resources here so that's good to know yes Cedric I want to pass it to you to kind of close us off here and I just want to know is there any like lasting words or words of advice for maybe someone who is getting their MBA now or just at Scheller and they're going to go on to their next next phase in their career on how they can just bring their full selves as a diverse candidate to the workforce and like what that looks like. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, first, I think you said bring your full self, which is your authentic self. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can do is try to be someone that you're not or, you know, try to, I guess, fake it because it, you know, it, it shows. Right. And so one, you're not going to be confident or comfortable, but also there's only so long you can kind of put on that yeah. that persona that's not real. So I would say that's one. The good thing at Microsoft, and I've seen, you know, just over time where people are more relaxed and comfortable, you know, I have people on my team that are very, you know, have positions where they're talking to executives, where they may be formal suit. And then in some cases, they're coming to work with jeans and Jordans and, you know, and, and so professional, you know, but they're very casual. And so I think that's the one thing we promote is just to kind of bring yourself. And so we have a great new facility here in Atlanta. So there's a lot of culture in that building in terms of, you know, again, the dress code thing, I think, is a big thing. But I think the piece of advice that I also would give is just kind of expanding your network. So just making sure the network that you're associated with, there's good representation. There's a good extensive experiences that are in your network and you're not necessarily limiting yourself from opportunity. So have an open mind and, you know, be and just kind of be yourself I think that's the probably the biggest thing I said just certainly coming from Scheller there's an element of you're qualified you've done the work there's a lot of credentials that come with that so you should be confident in that degree in the education so you you already have everything you need the next piece may be networking maybe reaching out and being and being yourself so thank you that's thank probably you so well much. Thank you both for joining me today on the Intersection Podcast. It's been great having you here talking about DEI. I think it was a very powerful conversation, and I hope you enjoyed your time here. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. If you're tuning in and you're watching this on video, know that we also are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thank you again for tuning into another episode of the Intersection Podcast. Thank you.